Good afternoon, listeners. Thank you so much for joining WRUU 107.5 LP Savannah, Georgia, uh, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Soundings Community Radio with Global Soul. I hope everybody is staying safe and being creative. And I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I have some friends that tell me they, 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 they gained the the COVID-15, you know, like the freshman 15. So make sure you're getting out there. Make sure you're walking around. Make sure you're being safe and healthy and all that kind of good stuff. So we're going we're gonna to get right into it today. My guest, my guest today is Dr. Theo Plofi um, of Savannah State Uni- University. He's a professor there and my esteemed colleague, uh, Dr. Plothy is one of the professors at the university that is using a 3D printing uh, PPE equipment machine. Okay, uh, and we're going to get into this. Everybody, you're asking yourself, what is a 3D machine and why are they making PPE equipment? Well, that's a very good question. And Dr. Theo Plothy is going to be able to answer that for us. Dr. Plothy is uh, with the Department of uh, Journalism and Mass Communications. My team, yay, woo, go JMC. And uh, like I said, we're very glad to have you here doc- today, Dr. Plothy. Uh, you can introduce yourself a lot better than I can, sir. So go ahead and tell our listeners who you are, and um, and then we'll go, we'll go into our, our, our nice little conversation. How's that? That sounds great. Um, so uh, good afternoon, listeners. Uh, my name is Dr. Theo Plothy. I'm a professor here, assistant professor here at the uh, uh, Department of Journalism and Mass Communication here at uh, Savannah State University, and um, I teach uh, courses on digital media, uh, media production, and media law and theory. Okay, awesome, awesome. And you sat across the hall from me. <laughs> I, I do sit across from all from you. I have, I, I have the opportunity to see your lovely smile every day. Oh, so, thank um, you, thank you. So we're going to go into um, just our little conversation. I got a few questions for you because I'm just so excited about this. Um, so we have some masks that are being made, multiple masks mm-hmm. being printed with a three D mm-hmm. uh, with a three D printer. What is this yes. project? So, um, in a cross interdivisional, uh, cross disciplinary effort um, between the JMC and the Visual Arts Program, uh, we have created what we call a maker space, and we mean that in a very literal sense. It's a space for people to make things. Um, so we have um, a, a large printer here for uh, posters and things of that nature. Um, we're going to get a uh, laser cutter in here at some point, um, and then we have our 3D printers. And so I have a, an extensive background in 3D printing and 3D modeling, and so that's sort of what I'm bringing to the table. And then uh, the arts, visual arts program um, led by Professor Nicholas Silberg is then bringing sort of the visualization, the art, the creativity side to the makerspace. And what we want to foster is, a, is an opportunity for students to express themselves in a digital 3D print medium. Okay, that because, sounds really cool. <laughs> uh, so for my purposes, um, I, I believe that most um, citizens, most students, most people 
do not realize the labor that goes into the digital media products they consume. They play a video game. They don't get how those coding was done or how the sprites were made. They mm-hmm. don't have no clue. They just only see the end product. Right. They watch a film, and they don't realize when there's an explosion on the set that there's over 400 people involved in that explosion from the, uh, the explosionary device people to the, the special effects people to the directors to the actors to the stuntmen. All of those efforts and labors go into making that into something that we consume and accept as real. Mm -hmm. And what I want people to realize is that the labor, the code, the digitalness of that is also real. And the greatest expression of that is to take digital code, design something in a uh, 3D CAD design program, a computer-aided drafting uh, program, such as uh, Mixer or Blender or... uh, uh, mesh mixer and, and, or Tinkercad and make something, a model inside that in a digital sense and then print that out so that it's tactile so that you can touch it so that you can see it, I guess taste it, whatever the other five senses are mm-hmm. that you can actually see. Wow. This that is, digital code is real. This is so high tech and so cutting edge, especially for Savannah State University. And I, you know, I, something tells me this is really going to put, Savannah State on a total different technical uh, map. Yes, I hope so. And and not only that we're not, but the, 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 the key difference is that we're not in the engineering program. Right. We're not in the um, architecture program. Um, during my previous stop at Texas A&M before I came here, uh, the 3D makerspace printing lab, and they had a laser cutter. They have all the things that I want to do here. Mm-hmm. But they had that housed in their architecture program. Because students were making models and, and designing things, and they were using materials such as graphite, mm-hmm. which is um, uh, an electrical conductor, in order to print some of their items. But we, on the other hand, are trying to think of, of ways to express that with art, with visual art. And so in that sense, we're a little different. We're not as much in the technical space of engineering, but we are in the technical communication space, gotcha. where communication and technology meet. And that's really important for me to express. Okay. And so, um, you know, this the, the, a Georgia dentist who began the Fired by Corona movement mm-hmm. um, is, is uh, one of the architects of this project. Well, what's a Fired by Corona movement? So uh, Dr. Mark Cowsey, a, uh, a, a dentist in Cumming, Georgia, came up with a design mm-hmm. um, on his 3D printer, um, that works really, really well. Um, and it, we all call it sort of the cosy mask. Mm-hmm. And so he said to himself, well, there's got to be a way for other people to join me in making these masks. Mm-hmm. And so they started this movement um, involving initially dentists, and then, and then along came other people with 3D printers, <clears throat> excuse me, in order to replicate the mask design that he had created. Mm. Uh, they tested the mask in a lab. Um, they tested it in their offices. And although it's not FDA certified, um, it is better than your yarn mask or your cloth mask mm-hmm. or something without a filter. You know, they wanted a way to go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Cause I have a question. They, they wanted a way. They wanted a way for the the average person or the person working at a dentist office or a nurse at a clinic um, that doesn't have a reliable source of PPE um, to be able to have a mask 
that they can use on a daily basis that has a filter. Mm-hmm. And the great the cloth masks are great. I've got a couple, um, but they don't have the filter. Even if they have the pocket inside, the entire mask, in a sense, is not filtered. So that is a key difference between their production mask and, and anyone else's. And so we signed up with this, and we joined up with it, and we started making their mask that they had that they had designed. Wow. And so there's also another professor, uh, prof- uh, Professor Silberg. Uh, he's a chair mm-hmm. of the Department of Fine Arts, Humanities, and Wellness, who's uh, on this project with you as well. He couldn't be with us today, but uh, shout out uh, Dr. Silberg. Yeah, uh, very much so. So um, how did this project, I, I think you kind of went into how the project came um, to life. How, how many masks have you guys created so far? So, so we've created and donated mm-hmm. um, over almost 250 masks thus far. Awesome. awesome. Now, I've got probably another 100 um, right now that we're waiting to send out as, mm-hmm. as soon as somebody comes along and says they need masks. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to roll back a little bit back to the Fire by Corona movement. Um, we, we appreciate everything that they've done. Um, but the problem was is they didn't have a distribution model. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a way to send the mask out to people. So it's great. You're making masks. Everybody is producing masks. That's awesome. Right. But then I have to have a way to get that into the hands of people. So right? how, I have to have a way for people to get those. Go ahead. So how, how, how can we make that happen? What do we need so, to do? So what we have been doing here at Savannah State is we've created a web form, and somebody reaches out to me by email um, and contacts me or Professor Silberg, and they say, hey, I would like, I'm interested in your masks. Mm-hmm. And so we will then guide them to a web form that they fill out. They return that to us. And then we send them the masks. And we're doing all of this completely free of charge. We are donating all. We are taking care of the shipping. We are um, printing uh, the, the masks and sending them out uh, pro bono. Because, go ahead. That's amazing. Yeah. So how are these masks clean? Can you just, like, throw them in the washing machine or wipe them you down throw, with alcohol? Yeah, you can put them in a dishwasher. Um, I soak mine mm-hmm. in a in a bleach and OxyClean solution, mm-hmm. um, and, I, and I scrub it a little bit on the inside and make sure that every, you know, all the, the bugs are out, so to speak, mm-hmm. and then, bang, I've got to, I replace the filter on the top, and then I reuse it. Well, this is and, amazing. So, so, so yeah. I'm wondering why more, more universities or more labs are not doing this. So there, there is a liability issue, right, okay. in okay. that if somebody got sick after using the mask, they could then... Uh, take legal action against that that lab or that place that produced them. Gotcha. And so we've come up with in our agreement as a way to indemnify uh, both Professor Silberg and I and the university because we know that these are not um, FDA issued. They mm-hmm. are not FDA approved. Mm-hmm. They are specifically for the idea that they are better than a cloth mask because they have the filter. And so what we're producing is the shell which is just the out, the, just the mask itself, mm-hmm. and then it's the people's responsibility that we're sending it to to put whatever filter on that they want to and to put the bands on so it'll fit on their head. Okay. Um, myself, personally, I just take a sheet of N95 filter that I just cut out of a, an N95 filter that you might buy at Home Depot or, or Lowe's. I cut a circle out. I 
wrap a rubber band around the edge of the mask, and bang, I've got a completely filtered mask because the seal, I have a seal on the side of my face with the mask that's tight enough that nothing can get in from the sides, and then the filter stops anything from coming in the front. Got it. Now, Um, you know, there's a lot of confusion out there, Dr. Plothy, about, oh, if you wear a mask, it only protects you. It doesn't protect you from other people. So basically, I'm just trying to understand, all the masks that we're wearing now are just protecting us from what? (laughs) I mean, you you know what I'm saying. I mean, Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. I think that's a common misconception that people think that the mask is to protect you. I was just at a at a Parker's up in Pooler um, a couple of weeks ago, and I asked the ladies behind the, the counter, I said, well, where's your mask? And she, and she flatly re- said to me, well, I don't, I don't need one. Mm. And I, I chafed because it's not about you needing one. It's about protecting everybody else because right. so many of us are asymptomatic mm-hmm. that we may not think that we have the virus and we may be a carrier of the virus, mm-hmm. I don't want to jeopardize anybody else's health mm-hmm. any more than I want them to jeopardize my own, which is the reason that I personally always wear a mask when I'm in public. Mm-hmm. Um, and as it stands right now, you know, I, I keep social distance, except for coming into the office to do uh, 3D printing mm-hmm. and the occasional shopping trip. I don't really, I still don't really leave my home because I think we're just waiting right. for the next for wave the other to shoe come to drop to for the other shoe to yeah. drop. and 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 it will. It will. Um, it absolutely will. You know, my 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 son uh, works at Dobbins in HQ, and mm-hmm. they're doing the numbers um, um, uh, for the CDC and Department of Defense, and you know the numbers have spiked again um, since Georgia opened. You know, absolutely, and absolutely. and and so unfortunately. Um, you know, these aren't my words, these are, you know, but it, it's just, it ain't rocket science. There's another wave that's going to come back through. And I would imagine things are going to have to be shut back down again. Yeah, I, I think there's a possibility. And I've, I've told colleagues this um, and, and friends that I believe, um, so as it stands right now, uh, the University System of Georgia, USG, is going to open all campuses this fall. And in fact, Savannah State's going to open in the next couple of weeks um, for faculty and staff to return. Um, But I think we're going to start school. We're going to continue with some sort of checks in place and hopefully some contact tracing. And then November, we're going to let everybody go home for Thanksgiving. Mm. I don't think we're going to come back from Thanksgiving break. I think we're going to stay off campus. And so mentally, I'm sort of preparing myself for that world. Um, I'm also preparing, you know, for my syllabus to say, if you don't wear a mask, that. But I really think that we are, another shoe is going to drop. And it's probably going to come late June, early July. Yeah. It's going to spike back up in September when everybody goes back to school. And then we're going to be in the same position that we are right now because we didn't take the steps beforehand. And what my goal and Professor Silberg's goal is to do as much to mitigate that as we can. So, if we don't get any more orders from anybody, or uh, uh, for instance, um, uh, we sent 75 masks um, to 75 plus, I think two or three extra in there, um, to a nursing home in Baxley mm-hmm. um, that had an outbreak of COVID. Um, if we don't get any more orders like that, um, we have decided amongst ourselves as the makerspace that we are going to keep producing masks for our faculty and our students for this fall. Awesome. Now, granted, there's almost 
there's 3,000 plus students, um, probably a couple hundred faculty after that. Um, and we're producing roughly about 10 masks a day. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got an order, um, uh, information that we are allowed to buy another printer. Um, the university provided enough money to do that. And so we are going to buy another printer, so we'll have another one online. Um, That's awesome, because I, I was going to ask, how, how many she- machines do you have right now? So we only have three machines. Okay. Um, the the engineering department has been kind enough to um, loan one of their machines to us, um, in addition to our two, so we have some prints coming from them. Um, not nearly as many as we're producing here. Um, but the other part of that equation is um, the filament, the plastic that you use to print these items. Mm-hmm. Uh, cost money as well. They're sort of like Gillette, right? You buy the razor, mm-hmm. but the company really makes money on the razor blades, mm-hmm. right? And so companies like MakerBot and Airwolf and um, Dynamicism and Form Printers, the, the various printing companies that are out there, they don't make the money just on the printer itself, which costs usually around $3,000. That's what the a good printer that you can use in your office will count. Some of the industrial ones are eleven, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars, and then they go up from there um, to where I've seen printers that cost a hundred thousand dollars. So but how, how many? Instead- how many? I don't mean to cut you off, Doctor Plothy, but yeah. I, I'm really curious about how many additional machines do you need? And then you know, uh, I raise a question. You talk about the plastic. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, has it? I don't know. I, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Has it been tested? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, has it been tested? Could it cause rashes? Um, oh no, no. P- PLA, PLA is uh, uh, the, the the material is called PLA, um, and PLA is safe for common everyday use. It's not food safe, mm-hmm. meaning um, I can't make a spoon out of it and eat with the spoon. That's that's not advised. Mm-hmm. But in terms of durability. Um, it's, it's a very tough material. It melts at about 215 degrees mm-hmm. um, so that we can mold it into the shape that we want. And basically the extruder, which is the, the little printing needle inside the printer, lays ink row after ink row, mm-hmm. um, just like an old dot matrix printer, right? And that's how you build up the items. And so how long uh, does that take to make one mask? To make one mask, three to four hours. Three to four hours. So, Three four hours. That's amazing. Um, if we want to make, um, so I have friends that say, oh well, you can just pack a lot of prints in there, and you'll be able to do it. Uh, you know, twelve prints in four hours. But no, that's not the way printing works, um, because you're printing each individual item at the same time. You're then multiplying past that three to four hours. So for us to print four masks on one plate, um, the printing plate. Um, you know, like a canvas, if you want to think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, on one canvas, we can print four on one of the machines. That wow. takes 12 to 14 hours based on, you know, whether something gets stuck and mm-hmm. sometimes the PLA gets stuck in the inside, whether uh, there's a power outage, whether the there's a jam. Right. Those kind of things happen. So on average, we're averaging between... 13 and 16 hours on both machines to print out six and four masks at a time. And yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, I no, keep going. <laughs> this is so this is so exciting. So keep going, so, keep going. 
Yeah. So for us to for us to be where we want to be, mm-hmm. my, my vision and we've we've written a proposal for the university um, to have ten machines. Okay. And so if we have ten machines all producing uh, four to six masks per, um, we can make a thousand masks in a relatively short time. Um, so who would so, man who would man those machines? Would it be students? Would it be staff? Would how, how would that work? Eventually, we hope to have a practicum course for uh, faculty and students okay. that they can learn how to um, run the machines, and we will have lab assistants that we have taught how to remove and, and change the filaments and do sort of simple maintenance on the machines. Anything beyond that, that's where Professor Silberg and I walk in, and we have to take care of those issues. Um, but unfortunately, I haven't been able to use any of my GMC classes in here yet, because we only have two machines. Oh, so I, I can't see. bring a class of 25 students in and say, hey, yeah. we're going to do printing today when I've only got two machines for 25 students or 16 students. So um, Let Professor me ask Silver you, Pat, Dr. Pelosi, yeah. how, how do you gauge success um, with these masks? Is there a way to gauge it? How do we know so, if, if the, the masks are actually serving a purpose? Yeah, so are they being used? And so um, some people have, uh, have, you know, sent emails and said, thank you for getting us a mask. We really appreciate it. Um, we, we passed them out this morning, those kind of emails, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't gotten any pictures back yet um, from people wearing the masks, but I know through the Fire by Corona group that other people are wearing the masks, and they, I can see pictures because it's a, a wide community group on Facebook at this point oh, that people are uploading their pictures of them using them and wearing the mask. Okay. I personally wear the mask every every day, <laughs> and sometimes when I'm out and about, people say, "Oh, where did you get the mask?" And I say, "Oh, I made it." Here's here's a here's a give me your email, and I will send you the form for you to get the mask. Now, do, do um, you, is is are there masks for children? Now, I've seen you know uh, I'm a mom, but my kids are grown. <laughs> but I, I I know the challenge of one trying to get a hat on a toddler or trying to oh, was, yeah. uh, put a bottle in their mouth or, or anything over their face. And I was at uh, a grocery store a few weeks ago, and there was this young father who had a little toddler. I'd say maybe I don't know, 14 months old, 15 months old, and yeah. dad was trying to put the little mask over the little angel face and she just wasn't having it and i just told dad i said you know what you know you're gonna you're gonna have to pick and choose your battles you're just gonna have to let this one go this is not gonna work um and 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 he did you know but but do these masks come in um child sizes little yeah we we make a size uh we make two sizes one's a large male Mm -hmm. and one is a smaller it's we just basically print the large mask at 90%, mm-hmm. and we found that fits most women. Um, as far as toddlers, no, we would have to receive a separate request. Somebody would have to say, and then I would have to resize the mask. We have not received that yet, because most of the people that we're sending these masks to are agencies or clinics, mm-hmm. and so they're using them for their nurses and, um, and their staff um, in order for them to be safe. So we've sent them to, as I mentioned, Baxley. We've sent... Um, a, a, a huge bunch to uh, Wisconsin, um, another clinic in um, Louisiana. 
I'm so um, proud but, of you guys. Look at that. You guys are just spanning the US globe. I'm 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 so proud of you guys, uh, Dr. Yeah. Percy. Well thank you. We would like to we would like to send them more locally, but we just haven't had um the response yet. So that's one of the reasons why I think um being interviewed on your show is important so that we can get the word out to say, Hey, we've got these masks, we are willing to send them to you for free. Or free F R E E. Right. Um, all well, you have has to do has Candler has Candler Hospital reached out to you at all? So uh, Candler, uh, um, so permission to speak freely. Um, so some sure. of the hospital systems, because these aren't um, FDA certified, oh, okay. are not willing to use the masks. I see. Um, the the problem is is a lot of these institutions, um, like for instance Savannah State Police, are depending on their employees to come up with their PPE. Wow. And so these employees are wearing, um, you know, whatever cloth mask they have, or maybe a painter's mask that isn't an N95, but it looks kind of like a mask. Or maybe they're doing the surgical masks, which don't have the seals Mm -hmm. on each side to protect you from COVID. So what we're, we're suggesting is, yeah, but give them something better than a cloth mask to use. Right. And we have it free and available. So, um, again, a lot of that falls back on liability that those places, those institutions are afraid of being sued later Mm -hmm. by saying, hey, we gave you a mask. You still got sick. Uh, Please don't sue us. And see, and that's, and that's, that's a lot to think about. Hold that thought. We're going to take a station identification break, and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere, Dr. Pelosi. (laughs) Okay.
Okay, listeners, and we're back. Uh, thank you for joining WRUU 107.5, uh, uh, LP Savannah, Georgia, WRUU.org, The Art of Health and Wellness with Evie Williamson. My guest today is uh, Professor Theo Plothy of Savannah State University. We are discussing the use and the production of 3D printing PPE equipment, uh, better known as a mask. And and so welcome back, Dr. Posey. Thank you for everything. I, I have a question. What, now, what is the status of the N95 mask shortage, if you even know? Yeah, so the, the problem is, is that um, a lot of the masks that, uh, that we had in reserve have gone bad. Um, they, they don't meet the qualifications that we'd expect of an N95 mask. Mm-hmm. And... Um, the problem is, is that we have limited the amount of production our facilities here in the United States have made. And so we've been trying to get a lot of masks from China. There's the famous instance of the owner of the New England Patriots sending a, a plane specifically to China, picking up masks and then hiding it because the federal government has been sort of gobbling up those masks for their own purpose and then not providing a, a federal response for supplying those masks to individual states. They basically said, hey, states, it's up to you to find it. And so the states are all competing amongst themselves. And so if you or I tries to go to a store and get an N95 mask, we're probably going to be rather unsuccessful because most of those resources have already been bought out for the states for first responders. And and the truth is, is that um, as medical professionals, an N95 isn't really going to do anything for them. Mm-hmm. Um, for most people in that enclosed environment, they need an N99 because the coronavirus is actually smaller. But for those of us that are just out and about in our daily life, we don't need a medical-grade mask to begin with. We just need something to cover ourselves um, that keeps out the coronavirus droplets um, that can spread as much as 14 feet in normal conversation. So when you're talking to somebody without a mask, their spittle, so to speak, and their, the droplets in their breath can spread 14 feet. And depending on the filtration system in a building, um, it can spread even farther around a room depending on how that airflow is. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm, I'm not a doctor, Dr. Plothy. But, <laughs> but, you know, we have our eyes, we got the ears, we got the nose. Can't mm-hmm. those droplets get into, you know, our ears or eyes? Yeah, what we found is that is that generally COVID transmission is through the nose and mouth. Got it. Um, I'm sure there's a possibility that, um, let's say, somebody sneezed directly into your eyes, that that could that that could happen. But generally, your eyes will close. Um, your body has an has a an automatic response to droplets or spray going into the eye. Okay. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Generally, we found that um, people get sick when they're around other people that are sick and they're not wearing masks. So for you and I, all we need is a, is a generally um, social distance mm-hmm. and a good um, N95 mask. I know there's been some various reports and people often repeat uh, uh, Dr. Fauci's recommendation in early March that we don't need a mask. But the thing about coronavirus is that it 
changes. It it's evolved. It it's, is it's, it's literally mutating. Yeah, it's a mutating. Yeah, it's an evolved uh, flu uh, virus. Mm-hmm. So we're discovering new things. Like there's that skin condition that is leading to the death in children. Um, there's you know we said at first that um, a sore throat really wasn't a sign of it. An upset stomach's not really a sign of it. But we now know that having a sore throat could be a sign of COVID. Mm-hmm. What we do know is that masks prevent infection. Um, They're not 100% because nothing is 100%. Right. But when I wear a mask, it not only protects me from your droplets, but then more importantly, if I am asymptomatic and I, and I have had COVID or I um, have COVID at the moment, it's going to protect you. Mm-hmm. And so for most people, they don't have access to a medical grade N99 mask anyways. Um, and, the, and the truth is they don't necessarily need it. So what we've decided to do is by producing the mask, we're trying to make that bridge that gap between wearing a scarf mm-hmm. and wearing an N99. And so does a medical professional that's in a COVID ward need our mask? No, not at all. But the person who's working the desk who's checking patients in, mm-hmm. they, they do. They need something better than just a cloth mask right. or a scarf. Let me ask you, what do you think about, I mean, it just it just really concerns me, all of these businesses mm-hmm. opening up, this being a tourist town. We have, we have little viruses coming from all four corners of the <laughs> earth to Savannah, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. to our beaches. Um, you know, I drove through downtown about an hour or so ago. I I didn't see a mask anywhere in sight, you know, and it's, it's like, (laughs) stay out of our town, (laughs) you know, know, stay away. And I, and I, that's not very good for business, but you know, some, you know, we we may have to, you know, we, 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 we may have to bite this one and, uh, take some losses, uh, financially, um, I know that's easier said than done, especially with American greed and corporate greed. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How, how, how do you think that this is going to let's fast forward? I don't know. Just just your opinion, just your assessment, possibly. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to fast forward next summer, this time next year, 2021. Yeah. Hopefully by then we'll we'll have a vaccine. Mm-hmm. I think people are fooling themselves to think we're going to have a vaccine by the end of the year. Right. I just, I think that's a fool's errand. And there are those in our culture and society that believe that there is a magic bullet. And really, even a vaccine isn't a magic bullet. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to come up with therapeutics that help. Mm-hmm. We're just, I think we're going to be social distancing, and we should be doing social distancing for the next two years. Right. I, I legitimately think that um, through the end of this year, and through probably most of 2021. Mm-hmm. And what, I guess, culturally, what this has revealed to me is inherently how selfish we as Americans are. Mm-hmm. As much as we tout how much we like to help each other and how much we support each other, at the end of the day, uh, people just can't be bothered wearing a mask yeah. because they don't see it personalized to them because they're so self-centered in their own worldview that, oh, that's other people. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. personally know um, someone who has died from COVID. Um, one of my friend's father-in-laws died 
got sick and died within three days. Mm-hmm. Um, it was that quick. And he was in his late 60s. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was a bit older, but not. nobody should be dying at 67 from COVID. Right, right. exactly. I, that's just in tw- nobody in, should be in, dying. In, in 2020. <laughs> in 2020, nobody should be dying. It's, nobody should be dying at 67. It, mm-hmm. it just, that's not old anymore. Right. Back in 1972, if you were 67, that's a different. Mm-hmm. And if you, I mean, I look at, I look at uh, Pat Morita in Karate Kid. <laughs> yeah. And he was like in his mid 50s. He was like 54 when he made that movie. Mm-hmm. And at that time, you're like, oh my God, that guy's so old. Oh, he was, he fought in the Korean War. He fought <laughs> in that, uh, that World War II. Oh my gosh. But 54 today is, uh, is nothing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, Daniel Craig, James Bond is in his fifties. Mm-hmm. Uh, Idris Elba is in his fifties. Hey, he, I'm part of that. I'm I'm part of that club too. I, I'm you didn't 50, have to out yourself like no, that. No, I'm pr- I am proud of my age. I am proud. I'm a fabulous fifty six year old healthy female. Woohoo! I'm, ha- I'm, Woo-hoo. I'm Yeah, and and I think a lot of it. Like I was. I had a conversation with Dr. M J Collier uh, of Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. last week he was a guest on the show and a lot has to do with what we eat we're digging our own graves with our teeth people you yeah. know we got yeah, you know we got to stay away from the sugar and the pasta you know all the stuff i love all the stuff we love you know the bread and and all the butter and it's just we have to pick up a fork and eat a more colorful raw foods yeah and i don't not to get off on a on a on a dietary and 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 tell people what they're eating is is wrong necessarily but i think it's i think as much of that it's it's a distance from from food right we don't really know where our food comes from it's a process and in a very real sense that's where we're going that ignorance is what we're going through with covid people don't understand and it's not personalized to them to say i'm not i'm not going to go without a mask because I might have it, not be ill from it, and not make anybody else sick. Mm-hmm. And I've seen reports from, from people who lived through the Spanish flu, mm-hmm. um, which I hate saying that because it just it <laughs> sounds bad. It's no different than the, than the administration calling it the, the, the Wuhan virus. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a political rhetoric thing. But uh, for lack of a better term, the Spanish influenza outbreak in the early 1900s um, that there has to be a recognition that it may not be happening personally to me, but it's happening to somebody. And in the Spanish flu, it happened. Everybody knew somebody who died. Wow. And, and I hate just, I don't want to get to that point. I right. don't want to get to where people are like me. Everyone is like me and knows somebody who, who died from COVID. Um, I have a, a cousin who's 84 and she has currently got COVID and she's in a nursing facility. Um, back in my home state of Indiana. Um, and so I worry about her. I worry about my mother, who's, who's aged as well. Mm-hmm. And it's not about you, people. It's about us. Right. And this that's one thing the COVID uh, pandemic has revealed, is that as Americans, we kind of suck in that regard. Yeah. Um, we, we have this inherent selfishness, which pushes us forward, strives us to innovate, strives us to do better. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's the whole sort of climbing up the corporate ladder, step on right. people on the way up, 
Every it's man for himself me. and God for us all, you know, uh, exactly. mentality. I got mine, so I'm good. And, you know, that's that, that's a show for, that's a topic for another show, but we all know where we are with all that right now. Um, yeah, so I think, I just to return to that point, I think that we are going to, there's going to have to be a monumental cultural societal change. And I'm praying and hoping that it doesn't require the death of 300,000 Americans. Me too. Um, I think by the end of this, whenever that might be, uh, next spring, next fall, next summer, whatever, um, I don't think it's going to be over anytime soon. I I fully expect that over 300,000 Americans will die. That, that, I really don't uh, want that to happen. I don't either, but. Dr. Plothy. Listeners, we're, we're, we are uh, having a fabulous conversation with Dr. Theo Plothy, um, professor, Savannah State University, uh, talking about 3D printing and PPE equipment. Uh, he is uh, one of the um, um, uh, spearheaders, if you might want to call it, uh, of this of this project uh, with uh, Professor Silberg, uh, chair of the Department of Fine Arts and Humanities and Wellness, and uh, a local Georgia dentist. And we we are just so thankful that you know we have someone like you on the front line that's coming up with this, that's moving it forward, who's taking the the you know the the lead, Doctor Plothy. How can someone reach out and, and contact you guys? Yeah, that, that's fantastic. And, and, and let me add one more short thing is that at the end of the day, um, there are talkers and there are walkers. Mm-hmm. And I re- I'm a walker. I, I don't just talk about getting something done. Mm-hmm. There was a need mm-hmm. that needed to be filled. And Professor Silberg and I got together and said, we are going to do something about it because we're both walkers. Mm -hmm. And so on March 17th, um, right when the whole uh, closing the country was coming down and we went on spring break, that was my first day in the lab to start printing masks. Mm. And I started on March 17th and we've been printing masks every day since and then turning around and and donating them to uh, people who need them. And, um, what, what's been happening is I've been having to do the legwork in order to call a, a facility and say, hey, would you like us to send you some masks? Mm-hmm. And what I would like, on the other hand, is that for people to then contact me and ask me so that I don't have to run around and do it. But I did that because people need the masks. And so I'm willing to contact uh, agencies and clinics and say, hey, we have these masks. We're willing to donate them. Okay. But if somebody wants them, they need. They just need to email me, and my email is plothe t p l o t h e t papa lima oscar tango hotel echo tango <laughs> at savannahstate.edu. All they have to do is email me. I will then email them a donor agreement form, which they have to sign. They tell us how many masks they want, and as we spoke about the liability indemnifies the university. Um, from any responsibility of, of what happens after we send you the mask, because we're going to send you that we're going to send you the shell. It's your job to put a filter on it and put mm-hmm. a seal on it, and put the bands on it so you can wear it. We can't get into that just legally. We we can't. That's not something we can do. But we can get you, get you the basic mask, and then it's up to you to filter and seal it. And then you've got a mask that you can wear on a permanent daily basis. Just wash it, clean it, ready to go. Just email me. And 
Um, give us that. Give, give that us done. that. Give us that email again, Doctor Plothy. Yeah, it's Plothy T P L O T H E T at savannahstate.edu. That's wonderful. And That's I will get wonderful. back with you as quickly as possible. Okay, so all you um, um, businesses out there or healthcare facilities mm-hmm. or, or personal care facilities or schools or what have you, get in touch with Dr. Plothy regarding your mask. Just want to take this time to say WRUULP Savannah, Georgia, 107.5 FM, WRUU.org. We are Savannah Sounding Community Radio with Global Soul. You're, you are listening to Evie Williamson, The Art of Health and Wellness. And I'm just, I'm just thankful, Dr. Plothy, that you had took time out of your busy schedule to sit with us and and chat with us uh, regarding these masks. Now, Dr. Plothy, in closing, um, Mm -hmm. tell me something I don't know about this project. Tell me something I don't know or need to know. Um, Well, one thing that we need that I I haven't spoken with is if if you're out there and you, uh, you want people to be safe, we're also in need of material. And um, we will actively take PLA filament um, or, or monies towards that um, in order for us to keep producing. Because at this point, we've got the machines going. We just often run out of material. Okay. And then I have to find some way that I can source that. And, um, you know, the university budget is sort of closed for the year. So mm-hmm. even if somebody doesn't need a mask or doesn't want one of our masks, if you're willing to help us produce the masks, um, we will gladly accept your help. Um, we just need the, uh, a big reel of material costs anywhere from 28 to 45 dollars. Okay, businesses, but, you hear that you hear, you hear that request. So if you you have the materials to help uh, produce these masks, mass produce these masks or a 3D machine or mm-hmm. or just a, a a checkbook where you can write write a nice healthy check towards this this life saving project, you know how to get in contact with Dr. Plothy. Dr. Plothy, I want to thank you again for being a guest on our show. And I definitely want to have you back again because this is so interesting. I'd like to see, you know, a few months down the road how this project has evolved, um, the demand, the need, um, where, where, where we are. Okay? Absolutely. And whatever you want to mask, uh, just just let us know. I know where and to find we'll, you. I, I you know where you, to find you. Yep, I know. I know exactly <laughs> where to find you. Again, um, I want to thank you all for joining in with the Art of Health and Wellness with Evie Williamson and Dr. Uh, Theo Plothy with Savannah State University. Everybody, please stay well. Please practice your social distancing and wear your mask. Thank you. Have a good one. <laughs>